We go into the first chapter of the book of Job. Now, I want to try to do a study on this, and we'll do that in, in, in stages simply because I know how it is. You may not get bored with the Word of God. I don't get bored with it. But sometimes I have to turn my back on a certain chapter and church chapter or a certain book and then go find something else to say a little bit and then come back to it. Because sometimes it gets too overbearing and you get, you see, the Word of God, you can get in a rut. And so I like to come back to it when it's fresh and new. Though every time you read the Word of God, it ought to be fresh and new to you. Or you're not going to get anything. If you're just doing things to just do, that's not going to do what you need. So we're going to go to the book of Job. Amen. Anybody know where Job is in the Bible? Right before the book of Psalms. Easy found. It says it's the, long, or the oldest book of the Bible. We'll talk about some of that today. And uh, I don't know, has, any, has anybody ever heard a study on the entire book of Job? I've never taught it all the way through. But uh, it looks, and I can see right now, it's going to be a long, drawn-out thing. That's a big book. There's more in there than you think. More, how many pick that as your favorite book to read? I didn't figure many hands would go up on that either. Uh, but there's a lot of things that you can learn from it, and it'll help you if you'll let God do it. Now we're going to read, let's see, let's read uh, the first three verses. We'll not get that far today, I can tell you that right off. But we'll start... And I pray that the Lord might help us. It's got a good thing in the, in the first verse. Uh, you probably wouldn't say that about anybody on the face of the earth. But maybe the Lord Jesus, and he's not on the earth, he's in heaven. But you look at this, and this is what God said about Job. I wonder if God could say that about you. I wonder if God could say that about me. Matter of fact, I can tell you right quick, God wouldn't. Amen. But I can tell you this morning that he's highly favored in the eyes of God. So he said, there was a man. Uh, that's pretty good in our modern day. Especially, we've got a shortage of them now. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. Uh, some, I heard a fellow one time talking to me about it and he's calling him Job. Amen. But it's Job, I guess is the way I've always heard it. If you want to call him Job, you can call him what you want to. But just as long as you get the message. And that man was perfect and upright. Now can God say that of you? And one that feared God. We don't have many in our day to day that fear God. Matter of fact, we think we fear God. But when I look and see what Job did, I'm... I've come to a real quick conclusion that I ain't a man that feared God like Job feared God. And one that feared God and eschewed evil. I used to wonder about that word. That big word to scare me. And I will tell you about that in a minute. And I appreciate what the Lord does. And I give God the glory. Now with that said, let's ask God to help us with this this morning. i just read the one verse instead of the three. Father... Give us wisdom and understanding. I pray you'd touch us. Lord, we need direction this morning. We're looking into a book that we have not uh, preached on or talked about in this pulpit. 
uh, except for little portions and verses and uh, references. And so, Lord, we realize this is a real, real deep book, and it's going to take you to help us with it, and we're glad that the Spirit of God knows the Word, but we do believe it's authoritative. We do believe it's inspired. We do, do believe it is in the canon of the Word of God, and you put it there. So I pray, God, you'll help us to have the understanding of it. We'll give you the glory and the praise, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we'll start with an introduction. I'll give you just a little bit of introduction before we get to verse 1. Now this study, and when I start it, uh, I'm starting slow enough that we'll be able to understand and get the gist of the book at least. And also, I want to go fast enough to keep you moving along and at the same time not get bogged down as I was talking about a moment ago and make this book just a little bit of interest to you and that you'll get excited about its content. Amen. Uh, if there's anything I despise is dead study. Amen. And if it don't excite me, it ain't going to excite you either. Amen. I went back and listened to a few of my messages, a few of my lessons, a few of my studies over the past years, and I'm listening to them, and sometimes I... It's not because I'm excited about it. I don't like to hear anything I've done said after I said it. Like it while I'm saying it. Amen. You with me? Uh, how many of y'all make recordings of yourself and sit back and listen to it and get excited about it all week? A preacher don't either. So, but I have listened to enough of it to know, Lord have mercy. I pray for them people. I pray for them people. Touch me, Lord, if you can. Uh, to make it more exciting. So the Bible needs to be exciting to us. Right? I don't care who teaches it. It needs to be. And so the only way it can be exciting is to have the Spirit of God uh, to teach us. So here we look at it. Now in my course of Bible study down through the years, I realize that the divine Word of God, what this is this morning, I'm glad that it can strengthen and touch and stir me and I don't get tired of the Word of God that I learn. I want to look at it every time I look at it. I want to get something out of the Bible. Do you? Amen. Amen. And uh, so we just appreciate it. Sometimes, you ever have you ever went somewhere and they had all kinds of things to sell? And you said, Lord have mercy. They got more to sell. I'm talking about things that you want, not things that you have to have. But things that you... Oh, I'd like to buy this. I'd like to buy that. I'd like to buy that. And sometimes you buy a few up. You come home and you just look at it and you say, Oh, I want to see. And you're excited because you're able to get something out of it. That's how I am with the Word of God. Amen. Uh, I teach or tell God, Lord, teach me your Word. And He does. Thank God for it. Now, there's some verses in this Bible and even in the book of Job that's going to demand more of my attention and more of your attention than others do. And maybe it's not because we, maybe we don't know enough about it. But at the same time, there are some things that we need to deal with in more respect than others. And so we'll just move into that with more anticipation. We hope that this is going to be an interesting study to you. I didn't come here this morning to give you something that's not interesting. The Word of God is interesting. It depends on how interested you are interested in the Word of God. Right? I don't care where you go. Amen. I went to school 
all them years and the teacher was telling things and you know what? I didn't really care what she was telling. I wasn't listening. You ain't been that way, have you? Amen. All of us have. And I don't want to be up here this morning beating the air and then you're not getting anything. We're going to get on with it, preacher. All right, we will. The book of Job is said to be the oldest book in the Bible. Now, I wish these people have told me that would give me some Bible on that. Anybody know any Bible about Job's oldest book? I got a few things that I can maybe apply that to and think about it, but give me a chapter and verse. Amen. But I know one that old, is older than him that wrote it. There's God. He'd been around for ages, all, all eternity, hadn't he? I'll not argue with you on that subject of where it's to be in the oldest book, but I will tell you I believe it's in the canon of God's precious word. The books, the, the subject matter in the book of Job, most of it is historical and there's a spiritual application to, uh, to it too as well. And that's the parts we're going to major on. But you wouldn't know anything about the book of Job or the person Job if God hadn't told us. Would we? If Job wasn't in the Bible, I'd never know there'd been a man by the name of Job except for a couple of verses or three that God mentions him. And the Lord did. That's the reason I know it's in the full canon of God because God mentioned Job. The Lord did. There are some references to him. So that means the Lord wants us to get it. So we want to look at the main thoughts of the book of Job. And uh, one of them is going to be on the subject of evil and the devil and his crowd. And the other is going to be on the subject of the Lord and God and the spiritual matter. So it's the same as our life today. We have a spiritual part to us and we have a historical and an evil side, don't we? All of us have that. You said, ain't no evil about me. Amen. You just keep believing that and God will bust your bubble one of these days. There's none good. No, not one. I'm going to break this book down. And I've had it been broke down to me lots of times. And I've got it a little bit different than what they do because I study my Bible a little bit different than them. And they don't change anything as far as what the Bible means. I just got it broke down how I study it. Number one, what I'm doing right now called an introduction. I just introduced the book of Job. God introduced it to us. That's what we've actually got in chapter 1 and verse 1. This is actually an introduction. Had you ever known Job before you read chapter 1 and verse 1? Now, God is introducing us. Amen. Reckon how many verses that God would write on the introduction to you. Amen. Would you get as big a first verse? Could he say all them things about you? I don't even want the Lord to tell me. He's going to do it soon enough. I'm just going to try to improve on what I am now. And I trust that that's what you're going to do while you're studying this book with me. Amen. I do believe this morning that everybody in this building, maybe maybe you don't, but don't tell me different because, I, you know, I got my own opinion and Everybody's got one of them, and sometimes they don't matter. But I do believe today that everybody in this building would like to be a little bit better than what you are. 
Just a little bit. Some of you need like to be a little bit more than a little bit. And some of you in here would like to be a, in a greater proportion. And you'd like to be greater than what you are this morning. Now you wouldn't want to tell me all the problems that you've got. And thank God you don't have to. And I got news for you. I don't want to listen to it. Amen. And I'm not going to tell you all the problems I've got. Amen. I'm talking about between me and the Lord. Now right now, nothing is between me and the Lord. I got that confessed up. You with me? But before the day's out, there will be some other things that the Lord remind me. Maybe it's just the fact today that I don't know and God hadn't showed me yet. And before the service is out today, God may reveal some things that I have problems with that I don't know that I got problems with now. Does that make sense? I'm trying to look at this from a practical standpoint. Simple and easy. So I'm looking at it. Here's how I've got it broke down. Number one, the introduction. Number two, I break it down in studying this thing with Job and his family. Job had a good family life. Uh, and I believe that's what we are break our lives down with. The introduction, what we what the introduction is what we really are. If you wrote an introduction to yourself, you knowing everything there is to know about you, or you at least think that right now, but there's a lot of things you don't know. But if you was writing an introduction, would the introduction correspond with what God wrote of your life? Number two, Job and his family. God knows you and your family. I may not know just a little bit here and there, but I don't know you and your family. Now that means I don't know the relationship of you and your wife, you and your children, your children and you, uh, your wife and your husband, and, and I'm talking about all of them. It's just, that's a big thing, isn't it? Job and his family. And uh, I may know a few things that I've seen, but I don't know your personal life, but God does. So you deal with that and you take it. Then there's, there's another part that I break it down. I know Job and his family, but I look at Job and his wife. Everybody in here has been married or has, is married has that, that relationship between you and your spouse. And you can work that both ways. Then I look at it when I'm looking at it, Job and his three friends. He had a bunch of friends. Amen. And uh, his friends have been about like some of mine. They, they know more about you than you think you know about yourself. And they don't mind telling you. Friends can hurt. You ever seen kids? Kids can hurt each other. I've heard children say to thing, say to their mother, their brother, their sister, or other children that they're working and playing with, and they say things that hurt. I remember when I was a boy, kids would they say things about me and to me. Uh, really, wasn't none of their business, but they could say things. I go home and tell mom and daddy what they said, and you know it hurt me. But daddy'd say, "Get over it, boy." I didn't know how to handle that, you know. And uh, that's how we was raised back younger. But uh, now our parents seem to try to help us with that, and they should. 
Then we have another section, which is a pretty good section. We'll talk about that later. Job and Elihu. There's a, something a tremendous and special about Job and Elihu, or Elihu, or whatever his name is. And uh, then there's a, another section, and I've got it broke down, is Jehovah and Job. That's the part that really counts. Jehovah and Job. God and Job. And then Job, in the last part of the book, gives his answers to his friends. He gives his answers to his friends. They thought he was such a bad man. They thought he, he had done something to honor, dishonor God, and God is bringing judgment on him. But just going through the things Job's gone through don't necessarily mean that God's so against you. You're going to find out why it is. Uh, you know who Job's greatest enemy is in, the, in Job? Not Job, it's the devil. You know who your greatest enemy is? It's not your friends and neighbors, it's the devil. We've got all that. And then you find Job's restoration, how that he was fixed up and had twice what he had to start with. And we're in the introduction of, of Job. And uh, this is going to be a long study. But I hope that you understand some of these things. Anybody ever know Job? Of course not. Amen. You didn't play with none of Job's kids either, did you? Amen. I just wanted to let you know it's long ago and human flesh ain't changed anything. Human flesh is just as rotten to the core now as it was in Genesis when God threw man out of the garden. I mean, man is just as depraved now as he ever was. He goes to more extent and goes deeper in sin than what he was before, but sin is still sin. And you, you say, well, this is the wickedest age we've ever lived. I wasn't in the days of Noah when God said it's wicked enough for me to destroy the earth. So what were they doing there? I've studied, as it were, in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. I've studied the, book of, uh, 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 the, the books of the Word of God to find out that we've got the same kind of weakness in our day. Could they have been worse? As it were in the days of Noah. Have we got worse than the days of Noah? Are we close to the days of Noah? Amen. I believe uh, we'll get like the days of Noah. And I, I've always said and been saying it for years, we're not exactly there yet, but we're so close. Amen. If God... Uh, if God uh, don't do something before. Have you ever heard people say, if God don't uh, destroy America for certain things, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah? Have we got that far? We're closer to it than we've ever been. I believe we're in the last days. That's why I keep a shouting and praising God for the coming of the Lord any day now. I know we're so close. I heard a a missionary this morning talk about they'd been on a missionary uh, trip out in uh, out in Texas and some of those places out there and had been in prisons preaching and they had had a hunt they had they had several thousand in services over a period of a, a, of two months I believe it was 
and uh, several thousand heard the gospel and a hundred and something of them hadn't got, had gotten saved. And I said, thank God. And I've always thought that when, that, when the number of the bride gets complete, the Lord's coming after us. And I said, I hope ain't a million still do to that. And then I had to slap my hand and say, shame on you. You want, to, you want to cut that short? Keep somebody from getting to heaven? No, I don't. Amen. We're going to talk about something today. This is all in a line in uh, Sunday school. I, it sometimes goes over to the preaching because God's worked on my heart about a subject or something. So there we are. All right, let's go back to a little bit and, and stay off of what we've on there and, and uh, kind of look at the subject. Job, if you want to write this down, has got 42 chapters. I believe God puts the chapters in there. Well, he didn't put the chapters. When the Word of God was translated into English, uh, they didn't have the chapters and the verses, or the original didn't, and they put the chapters and verses in it when they translated it. Can you imagine... I say turn to chapter 1 of the book of Genesis and uh, and you you just, all you had was a Genesis book. You weren't where chapter 1 was. You know it would be in the front. And so they put the chapters and verses so we could make it easier for us to look at it. But I do believe that God allowed some of that, and that's those numbers, and I believe he allowed all of that, really. I said some, all of that. And God broke the verses down. Sometimes I think these look like they're in the wrong place to me. You finish up a chapter and it goes to the next and it's still on the same subject. But that's not for me to argue about, and that's not something to fuss about the Word of God with, right? we got a whole book. So there's 42 chapters, and I believe God allowed some of that. I mean, all of that. I believe he allowed it to be put where it was. 42 chapters, there's a hundred, I mean, it's a thousand and seventy verses. You said, what's that matter? It don't. I'm just trying to tell you I know how many verses there is, and I'm not bragging on me. Amen. I'm just, I like to break them down when I'm studying them. And there's 18,098 words. And if you don't believe that, count them and come back and tell me tonight. And uh, so that don't have anything to it. It just kind of gives you an, I'm giving you an introduction. There are some disputes in the theological or theologians across the country and people who study the Bible and all kinds of people who the penman is or the writer. Somebody said it's the Holy Ghost. No, the writer is a person inspired the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the author. Every book of your Bible has been authored by the Holy Ghost. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, and pinned it down. So you've got those words, and the penman is sometimes said to be Job, and others have said that Job wrote some of it in Others wrote others. Some say that it was Moses, the book of Moses. Moses wrote the book. I wasn't here in them days. And 
I'm not even going to take their word for it because they can't give me no Bible on it. But I can tell you basically where it was, when it happened, and all the other. Some say that Solomon, and others say Elihu or Elihu uh, helped write it. I'm not going to argue with anybody on that. I think we argue too much about what and who and all that stuff about the Bible and don't dig out the truth. And it's this stuff that I'm telling you now that's not really important to you. Because that, that, none of that should have anything to do with the saving of souls. It might help you to get pride. And I know you don't like that. But we sure like to carry it around, don't we? Huh? Don't we like people to think that we know what we're talking about? Some of these things I'm telling you here is exactly what people do so much. And I'm trying to look at both sides of the field of this thing this morning. What I'm telling you right now, some of it I've just told you, you need to know. And some of it is something if you never say it again and you just know about it, don't let it go to your head and think you know something about something you don't know. That makes sense? But I know who the author is. And that's the Holy Ghost and that's what counts. I'd rather know more about the author than the writer. Hallelujah. So I praise the Lord for it. Now we'll major on the facts that we do know out of the book of Job. And what we don't know out of the book of Job, we're going to leave it alone. We do know that Job actually was a person who lived. I know that. We do know that that's authoritative. God has told us that he's got a, a, a person by the name of Job who lived. Some people say that Job is a parable. But I find no record of, of it being a parable. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And you don't find it like that. I mean, verse 1 there, that's not a parable. That's not an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. He said this was what Job was. So we want to keep it that way. And then we find that there's references to Job out of the Bible. God mentions him in, uh, in the book of Job. He mentions him in the book of Ezekiel. And he also mentions him in the book of James. Two times in the Old Testament and one book in the New Testament. So God's saying it both the new and the old, the first the old covenant and the new covenant, the first testament, the second testament, uh, or the uh, word of God, the inspired word of God, tells us that there's a Job. Ezekiel, God remind him, was in in that. So you can find that. You can also find that he was an incredible man. He was. I don't know much about Job and his life when he is here, but except what I found from the Word of God, and what I found out of the Word of God, I found out he is a great man, good man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind having the same characteristics that Job has out of verse 1, would you? If, if you could read verse number 1 and find out that God could say the very same thing out of you, it shouldn't give you pride. It ought to make your heart humble and it ought to make you happy that God is pleased with you. I want God to be pleased with me. Do you? I want Him to be pleased with me. 
Now the Bible teaches us and tells us and in a roundabout way and in scriptures the word that Job was a righteous man. Amen. He mentions three men in the Bible. Now there's a lot more than that. But God mentions three men in particular that were righteous. Said they were righteous. And I'll give them to you. Turn to the book of Ezekiel. This is the one I said a while ago, uh, one of the places where God has given Ezekiel or given us the mention of these uh, men. But turn to Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse number 14. I think I showed you something about the word 14 means deliver. And I've used this verse here to show you. Now, I may do it now in a minute. But uh, look at uh, Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse number 14. And look at this. God mentions him here in the book of Ezekiel. God is inspired through the Holy Ghost to Ezekiel to mention three men, amen, of past existence. And he said, though these three men, Noah, the Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Does it not? Daniel, Daniel was a righteous man. And Job were in it. He's talking about in the world. They should deliver, uh, in it, they should deliver, but their own souls by their righteousness set the Lord God. The righteousness of Noah delivered his family out of the flood. If you don't think righteousness is important, tear that verse of scripture out of your Bible. Amen. Righteous. What's righteous? Or righteousness. I've got it summed up. I've preached it here a lot. Right living. Or living right. Now we go around preaching that we ought to be living right. You can't live right until you get right in you. You can't live righteous outside until you get righteousness inside. Amen. A few times I've got, I thought I was righteous and it fell through. It was me. There's been a few times God touched my heart and I knew it was righteous because that's what God told me to do and that's it. And I've done it. And I could realize, and I'm not going to get into the difference between what you think and what God thinks. But righteousness is what God says. There's people that uh, cut their flesh and think they're living righteous. These people think they can drink alcohol and think they're righteous. But that's not the righteousness of God. There's a lot of difference between your righteousness and the righteousness of God. What is that scripture? I can't remember where it's at right now, but I, I just it come to my mind. And the Bible said we're not to compare ourselves with others. And it also says we're not to compare ourselves to ourselves. Amen. When we compare ourselves to ourselves, we can think that we're all right when we're all wrong. Preacher, I don't see nothing wrong with drinking liquor. Preacher, I don't see nothing wrong with gambling. I don't see nothing wrong with cussing. 
There's actual people out there today that say that. They put the tattoos all over their bodies and they'll, I don't see nothing wrong with this. Well, how come you weren't born with one if God wanted you to have it? Yeah. Amen. Amen. God could have saved you a lot of money and uh, got that ink on better than they do it with a needle. Every once in a while, God put a mark on us, a scar, and uh, some of you got birthmarks. All of us have got to some degree. Amen. Well, well, I didn't know I was going to get onto that. But sometimes we compare ourselves to ourselves. That's not good, is it? It's not good to compare ourselves to others. Amen. I hadn't seen too many I want to compare myself to anyhow. But the problem is, you get to looking at it, if you compare yourself uh, to others, you know what you happen? You know what you always do? Well, my nose ain't long like theirs. My ears are not big like theirs. You're always looking at the bad thing because you think you look better. Amen. You compare yourself to yourself and you say, I'm glad I ain't like that one. You don't know how to measure with God's Word. So you, you change all that. You know what the Bible said? That we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I look in the mirror. You said, preacher, don't you think you're ugly? No, I don't really think I'm ugly. I think I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And it is scary to look in the mirror. <laughs> Amen. What about all these folks that's I see them down here, you get take all this stuff, and what is it, Botox they use to change things. I ain't never had no idea going and getting something changed and all that. Uh, you know why? I don't want to help the Lord out. The uglier I am, the prettier I'll be in glory. Now that don't mean that I'm going to be more handsome than anybody else. That simply means I want to let God Fix me like he wants me to be. He's already done it one time. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you like you are. The problem we're having in our day is we making ourselves what we ought not to be. And making ourselves ugly. Seen a fellow yesterday, he had tattoos from one end of the finger to the other end of the finger on this side. And they, I don't know about under his clothes, but all up his arms and down his, uh, down his arms to his face. He had, had tattoos. And I looked at that stuff and I said, what in the world? How in the world would I be able to wash myself and not get all the dirt off? I, it might hide somewhere. Amen. Maybe they don't want to bathe. I don't know. But I'm looking at this. And uh, you said, preacher, I'm talking about looking at the things we're seeing this. Now we find that he's got that. And I appreciate uh, what we've got in the Word of God. And I'll probably stop right there because we need to get back uh, and start on a little bit different subject. I still want to give you some more on the introduction. I won't be on this next week, but I'll be on it some other time. All right? But I pray that the Word of God might help us. And we're looking at things out of the book of Job you're not going to see in any of the books. This is a kind of a different story. It's a whole book about Job. 
And it's actually, were you not seeing it or not, it's a whole book about Jesus and the Lord. You're just not seeing it yet. But we're going to see it because when we get to the last chapter, we're going to find the perfect work of God in the life of Job. I was in school and they said that Job had seven sons and three daughters. That's ten children. And they give us this thing and they said, you, give, you get some extra credits if you answer this correctly. They said, how come in the camels and everything was doubled in the end? And he told how many of each they had. And it said, but notice in the last chapter that God said that Job had seven sons and three daughters and they all got taken out and God gave him back seven sons and three daughters. How come his sons and daughters were not doubled? If you answer that, you get an extra grade. And so when I got to that and I looked at that and I said, Lord have mercy. Had never thought about that. Nobody mentioned that when we were studying the book. And so God said, seven sons and three daughters, that is ten souls. Souls are not like camels and cattle and things and sheep. So God did double them because at the end, he still had seven sons and three daughters. Seven sons were in heaven or hell, wherever they went, and three daughters were in heaven or hell, wherever they went. So at the end, Job had 14 sons and six daughters. Did he not? I got the points. Praise God. Some of them didn't get it. But I praise that. Praise God for it. All right, our time's caught us. Let's ask God's guidance and then we'll go into the regular service. Let's pray. Father, give us wisdom, understanding. May our minds be brought upon you in the service this morning. May the power of the resurrected Christ walk up and down the avenues of our heart. Lord, if there's one today here in this building that's not saved, I pray you'll save them. Lord, if there's one out of the will of God, I pray you'd touch them. I pray that your mind might be our mind, our our. our Thoughts, maybe your thoughts. Lord, I realize today you said that, that your ways are higher than ours. But I pray, God, you'd give us a little touch, a little bit of glory this morning. And Father, recognize, help us to recognize what we are, who we are, where we're headed, and how come we're headed there. We'll give you the glory. And if we're not saved, Lord, I pray you save them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.